0: Enjoy. Well, we're in week three of our Live Big That's journey, awesome. and uh, the, the three parts that uh, make up Live Big we've been talking about. There's the give piece, there's the serve piece, and the love piece. And uh, with it being week three, we're going we're gonna to tackle the love piece today. You know, as we've been, been going through the journey, we've been talking about just different stats uh, around the needs of just the needs in our community. And it is so easy to just look at those stats, and it's just such an impersonal thing. Uh, I just thought an important step that we need to take as a church is to take what's impersonal and get very personal with it. And the way that we're going to do that is to hear from real-life people and their stories and engage in their stories. Uh, There's a leadership axiom, and I think actually a, a spiritual principle as well, that says the easiest solutions are to the problems that we are farthest from. Well, what I'm hoping that we accomplish uh, with our interview together is that we close that gap together. And to get there, we have two very special ladies who uh, we're going to get a chance to talk to in a minute. The first one is Lisa Gonzalez, who Lisa serves as the Family Mobility Director of City on a Hill, one of our great nonprofits. Uh, And uh, you've been serving there for 14 years, is that right? I have. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit of her story in just a minute. And uh, married and no kids. And then Shadi Williams, who is a single mom of five and a resident of Milwaukee and an active participant in the family mobility program. And I thought this was interesting, an advocate for family needs and community support, which hopefully maybe we'll hear a little bit about that later. But what's great is Lisa has been walking with Shadi on her journey. And so uh, as they, we hear their story, uh, we're gonna get a chance to really intersect with it together. And so I wanna begin with this. Lisa, briefly just share a little bit about your story and how you ended up at Sidiana Hill.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm a firm believer that God gives everybody a discontent, right? Like something that's in them that stirs them. Maybe it makes them angry or keeps them up at night. If anybody like writes a dream journal, like on your side table, because you wake up having crazy dreams. Um, For me, I was actually a software analyst, and I was doing really good in life, making really good money. Single, had all my needs pretty much met. That job was excellent, except for there was something missing. And so the founder of City on a Hill, Diane de los Santos, came to the church that I was attending and said, hey, I just need some people to come. Can you be an assistant in a classroom? And I hadn't had a relationship with Jesus for too long, maybe six or seven months at the time. But I knew that I could like do crafts or like something. So I signed up to do that. And um, man, it just really captivated my heart. And within a year, I was part-time on staff. And a year after that, I quit my job in software analytics to go full-time in ministry. So it all started with volunteering. Volunteering, just saying yes.
0: To a need. You yep. just scared a lot of people right there by saying that, okay, by the way. Get about, no, that's great, that is so good. Okay, Shade, we want you to share your story as well, and uh, what was great is we were in the back talking about Shade's story, and it was, she was like, I don't wanna miss anything, so I wrote it down, and I'm gonna read it, and so, it's such a great, read away, you read away.
2: Hi, everyone. Um, Thank you for inviting me today. It's been a pleasure, Um, and I'm very grateful for being here. Um, I just want to start by saying, my name is Shade, I have five kids, and I'm living life trying to better myself. Poverty, to me, is a myth. Anybody can go through it. It doesn't matter your skin color, race, gender, none of that. Um, I grew up living in poverty with my mom and seven other siblings, living in a three-bedroom townhouse, on the north side of Milwaukee. I moved here by the age of 12 years old. Prior to that, I lived in Chicago, Illinois, from the age of five to 12. Things are not always great, but my mom made sure we had a roof over our head, a hot meal on the table, and clothes on our back and an education. When I reached the age of 15, I got my first job, and I was so happy to be working, because I wanted more things that I knew my mom couldn't provide for me. So I made a way for her not to be so you know, stressed out. I'm very thankful to God to talk about these things and live in my truth. Yes, we did grow up with not the greatest things, but we made it work. Everybody is trying to get out of the struggle, regardless of where you came from. And everybody has a story. I'm just telling you guys my story. I had my first child at the age of 19, and then I had another one before I reached the age of 21. I worked at a job, I did what I had to do to provide for me and my two daughters. Things were not always easy, getting up every single day to get my kids up for school, whether I'm tired, I'm sick, they're sick, dealing with my mental issues, depression, going through all of it at once. And, I, and still having to be a mom and provider because there was no father in the home for me, for my kids, I should say. <sighs> I, never for, I never looked for a handout from anybody, but just hands in, because I feel like if there was more help in the community, within our, within our own community, there would be a lot of things better. By the age of 27, I had another daughter and I was grateful moving to a different county to pursue better options and a better education for my daughters and, better, and a better environment. Unfortunately, that was taken away. I made some bad choices. I regret every, every single day of my life. It cost me a lot. I cried about it and I prayed about it. And I'm thankful that I got through it, through the power of Jesus. Because without him, I was, I, I'm nothing. <sighs> Sorry guys, I'm getting a little bit nervous. And, <sighs> I ended up moving back to Milwaukee, where I was doing good. I was working, I had a good job as a housekeeper, and then COVID hit. I found that I was having twins. I was pregnant, I found that I was having twins, who was three years old now. Being a new mom again has its ups and downs. Having twins on the spectrum for autism is new to me. Dealing with the everyday worries. Sometimes it makes me feel worthless that they don't communicate, so I have to figure it out for them. They also have a sensory disorder, so it's not much that they like to eat or touch. I go through this every day alone, and I'm still learning new things as I go, and I just try to stay positive. I took parenting classes, Get me well, lots of knowledge, books, accessing my resources so I can know how to deal with things that is new to come my way. My, my daughter is up, is up age now where she can work and do things for herself while I still provide for my other children. She got a job at this wonderful place called City on the Hill where she introduced me to, introduced me to a lot of amazing people that I am grateful for to have in my life. I've got myself enrolled in financial classes with Miss Lisa, it's right here. I just want to make a difference and and change because this is my story and I'll just want to make history. Thank you.
0: (laughs) uh, as a single mom, What are some of the challenges you face every single day that maybe we don't know or even think about?
2: Get up at 6.30 in the morning (laughs) to start my day. (laughs) Um, Get my oldest two kids off to school and then have to happen to deal with my other twins. And (sighs) it's just a lot. Sorry guys, I'm getting stuck. just trying to handle things and be productive in life. It's hard. It's 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 exhausting at times. It's overwhelming. But I'm I try to fight it through and get through it.
1: So
0: Share with us a a moment or moments in your life where um, not having enough unexpectedly showed up in your life.
2: Well, I know when I was working at the hotel, like I said, after COVID hit, uh, things just took a turn for the worse for me and my family because I was laid off. I couldn't pay my bills. Um... I was facing eviction. I prayed a lot. Um, I was able to find work after that. So that, 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 that was a lot to me. Um, just going out and, you know, finding other resources to you know, help me out a little bit more, so. At the time that you were...
0: Yeah. What was, I mean, when you're you have kids and you're facing potentially being homeless,
2: mm-hmm. what was, I
0: mean...
2: I was going, it was, it's a lot of emotions, a lot of different things go through your, go through your mind. Cause you're not, you're not, you want to know like where you're going to be. You don't want to be out in the cold. And plus it was wintertime outside. I don't want to be. I don't want to be out in the cold. So, I did contact Miss Lisa, and she was able to help me out. Mm, that's so.
0: so good. So, Lisa, we talk about uh, a lot about poverty and poverty cycles. Yeah. What is a poverty cycle?
1: Yeah. So, I think um, you know cycles of poverty can um, happen inside of a single generation, where you've even heard like Shadé share. Like, it was kind of one thing after another, right? Like, there was a system, and a system failed, which caused a financial situation, which then enrolled in another financial situation, which then caused another situation. So, even as, like, Shadi talks about, like, I was at the potential risk to be homeless, sometimes people don't realize, like, once you're homeless, you don't have an address. If you don't have an address, you can't have a job. If you don't have a job, then you can't pay a bill, and if you can't pay a bill, then you can't have a home. You know, And so like when we talk about cycles, and we talk, there's really systems that are embedded in that that aren't helpful to people. And so when you can interrupt one of those cycles by coming alongside of somebody, um, by helping them design their own path out of that and giving them resources, you can help them to break those cycles. That's kind of all in one layer though because there's another layer to that which is generational, right? So cycles of poverty are generational, which really is is that anything that's not fixed in that first layer really becomes the problem of the next generation because you don't know what you don't know and if no one's taught you anything that you are broken that, you then absorb that idea, thought, process or thinking and it just makes it harder for that cycle to be broken. Yeah, there really is a lot of layers to it isn't there yeah absolutely because you just you break
0: one and then there's another
1: Mm -hmm. what uh what are some of the
0: the reasons they are so hard to break
1: yeah i think that some of that is like networks right so if we think of like how did i get my first job like my mom had a friend who had an internship at a company that she was able to talk to over dinner and it seemed like it was a good fit and i was Totally not qualified, but I still got the job, right? It's because I knew somebody. It's because there was a connection and there was an avenue for me to get into a position that I did nothing to deserve. Right. And so when we think about like networks and the mobility of people, oftentimes people who are in poverty are lacking the social capital, meaning they don't have enough people that are surrounding them that have access to things that can help pull them out of the situations that they're in. Mm-hmm. And so like Shade even said, like I enrolled in finance classes, like she seems really nervous up here, but I promise you, she's not ever this nervous. Um. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry,
0: I am nervous. So she'll I'm
1: with listen in a minute. But she's not this quiet in finance class or in parenting classes or things like that. But I think something that's unique about City on a Hill in that sense is that through our family mobility program, we have the opportunity to come alongside of people and to utilize our network. Right? And our network really, it's the church, right? It's the body of Christ who's willing and able to build the kingdom of God here on earth and to utilize our social capital and to be able to pass that through to people who don't necessarily have that, that are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, you know, when we talk to Sade about, hey, education is one path out of poverty. So then we engage in a conversation, and I can have a whole lot of ideas of what I think that Sade needs or should do, but that's Sade's life. Sade has to be able to have the opportunities presented to her, and then she has to be able to select those and then have a coach. So i'm blessed to be shade's coach <laughs> that we get to come alongside and say why would we make this choice how how would we make something different how do we move you to the next place in a, at a speed that's comfortable for you so she just said like i'm tired i'm overwhelmed i'm exhausted i have twins that have autism and i'm like Shade, you should go back to school and that's <laughs> like I that am. that math doesn't like work right and so instead when you have a coach and then you have a network of people we can say something different right something different is like hey Shade, what are the barriers to you going back to school so and some of those things for her and we've talked about are like i need to have a safe place where my kids who cannot audibly share if they're safe or not in a daycare send your two-year-olds three-year-olds to daycare and they can't tell you what happens at daycare that's terrifying. So there's an adequate childcare barrier for her to go to, be able to go back to school. What's a barrier to that? Like, and so instead of just giving people ideas of what they should do with their life for me to fix their situation, that's not what we're doing at City on a Hill. We're saying, here are some pathways. You can like, choose your own ending books. You ever have those? Turn to page 67, see what happens, right? And it's like, you can choose your own path and we wanna come alongside of you with our network to remove barriers to that.
0: Shaday, when you hear her talk about poverty cycles, what are some just things in your life where you just kinda of hear that and you go, oh yeah, I, it just seemed like advocating for my kids and for me was just harder than it should be. What do you mean? Just like it was just more difficult to move forward with some things than it should be. It just seemed everything was a challenge. There was an obstacle there just for you to take steps?
2: Um, I mean, I, I would get in, I don't wanna get into that. Um,
1: you getting Shanice into school last week at the school board.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my daughter, she goes to a school that I really don't want her in, but um, it's it's things that's it's not, well, I to say it's, in, it's things that's holding me back from putting her in a different school, because it's not, it's just the school board, it takes, it takes them for so long to, to do their parts. because I did my part already. So, yeah.
0: So we were talking back there, the three of us, about some of the things that, I mean, we were talking about the idea of just washing dishes. Okay. And share share with us what we were talking about because I was I would never heard that before
1: and something we don't even think about for most of us. Yeah, can I can I start? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Is it okay? Go ahead. Okay. okay, so so one of the things that I've had to learn, right? And I think that even the young lady that was like sharing announcements said like, Are you willing to open your eyes to things like that you don't know? and so even for me like i grew up in situational poverty so i thought that i knew a lot but I, I i didn't and so i had to like learn a lot of things and i learned a lot of things from our students right so i remember like going on like one of our first outings and all the kids like grabbed dishes out of the cabinet and they're like where do we wash the dishes and i'm like you grabbed your dishes out of the cabinet and they're like where do we wash them and i'm like you grabbed them out of the cabinet like <laughs> what's the question and they're like you wash your dishes before you eat miss lisa and I'm like, no, you don't. And they're like, yes, you do. And then I had to like sit back and watch and allow them to teach me. So Shadi, why do we wash dishes before we?
2: Um, well, growing up, for me, I, I've always done that. Um, reason being, um, I grew up in, with roaches and mice. So even though the dishes were clean, we had bugs. So we washed them out again, make sure they were clean. So yeah, that's the reason why.
1: Yeah. So. And, and all of like just those protective things, like we yeah. were talking about, like bed bugs, like the yeah. bed bug epidemic, really, like in Milwaukee. Like, what do your kids have to do when they come home from school?
2: Well, not now, but um, before um, my um, my sister, she had. Oh goodness, I do I want to say it. My uh, my sister she uh, used to watch my kids o- over the weekends so I can work and when they come home I'll um, pull I-, I will take away all, all, all their clothes and you know because I didn't want because she had bed bugs, and I didn't want them in my house so um, and I'll have to get rid of if if they, if I did if they did have them I mean if, if they did have one of them on them and they did come to my house I would have to you know buy everything new and throw everything out in the garbage because who wants bed bugs and, and their stuff.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, and that's like, when we talk about cycles, I just got everything new. Yeah. And now I now have nothing again. Yeah, yeah. so I it's like it's back to starting what yeah. again. Yeah, that's
2: it's, good. It's, it's tough.
0: <laughs> Lisa, what are some of the myths that are commonly attached to people in poverty?
1: Yeah, so I think, I mean, that people are lazy, I think is number one. Um, and I'm working with parents and working with young people. Man, I see some resilient people that literally are up every single morning trying to navigate really tough systems that are putting in a ton of work to try to make life better for their kids, that are exhausted and have circumstances. I think that um, I, as someone who's married with no kids, probably don't really fully understand because I haven't walked in those shoes. Um, But I think laziness is like one of them. Um, I've heard a lot of things. I've heard from a lot of teachers that parents don't care about their kids because there's low parent-teacher attendance conversations. You know, parents aren't attending conference. So instead of asking why they don't attend conference and helping alleviate barriers to get people to conferences, like you can hold on to that stereotype that people don't care. Um, I've never in any interaction with Sade ever thought that she didn't fully love all of her children and wouldn't do everything to be able to show up on their behalf. You know, and I think that sometimes when we don't know people, we fill in gaps. And those myths are dangerous. um, And they don't match what God's word has to say about our love and our care for people who are in poverty.
0: You got anything you want to add to the myths that maybe you've heard or experienced? Or was she just dynamite? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Take the word out of my mouth. Sade, what do you... We were talking in the back about um, it's really hard to let people into your story, okay, into your situation. Uh, what are some of the things that someone like Lisa has done for you to feel okay letting her in, letting, you, for letting her into your life?
2: Um, about four years ago, um, when my daughter first started going to City on the Hill and she started working at City on the Hill, um, they were giving out, they, they, they do it every year um, give out Thanksgiving things like that. Um, and I was living in a back house. It was the, um, the big lawn in the front in the back house. Mm-hmm. And she called my phone. She said, um, hey, up, we're outside. And, I'm, and instead of me going to the, to the car or to the truck in the van, um, they actually brought the things up to me. So in that moment, I knew that she was sincere and just loving to me. And to this day, she hasn't changed. And I love that about her. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: You paid her to say that. And Andrew, you paid her. That was good. That was was really good. Yeah, that's good. That was good. Um, Lisa, talk about just some of the, I mean, you're telling your story about how you were volunteering, serving at City and Hill, then eventually feeling the call to be on staff there. Talk about some of your favorite verses that have really moved your heart to just care for the vulnerable.
1: Yeah. Um, well, at us say down a hill we have um, like four core values. So love, listen, um, learn, and lead. Right. And so like one of my favorite is in John 5, 5, and it's talking about the guy who's at the healing pool and he'd been there for 38 years. And there's just this like little, if you like read it too fast, you kind of miss it. But it says like after Jesus had learned of his condition, he asked him if he wanted to be well. And I think that for me, like that listen component, like how do I have ears that hear? How do I uh, maybe say less and listen more? How do I like hear Shade's pain, not just her words? And like Shade and I do a lot of work and stuff together, but sometimes we just sit together. And sit and talk and and sit and sit <laughs> yeah. and sit and look at each other and sitting and <laughs> <laughs> like like there's something in the sitting right and like that's listening to the holy spirit as well but it's also like listening to not having to attend every meeting with like that agenda of like here's what we got to get done but more like i'm really just here what do you have today? Like, what, what's the biggest thing on your plate? What is your biggest need right now? Like, how can I show up on your behalf? And I love that because like the second part of that is like, do you wanna be well? I used to think that that was such a stupid question. Like, why would you ask someone who's sick if they wanna be well? And the reality is, is like, there's a cost to being well. And like, for people who are in poverty, like there's cost associated to changing the way that you think. There's a young girl that I mentor that's going to school to be a physical therapist. She's finishing up her four year and she'll go into grad school. And she gets so much heat from her family for winning in life because some people aren't. So she that's a cost. There's a cost when you have to leave, you know what I'm saying, in order to be well. There's a cost when you are taking this leap financially out of poverty where you're not dependent on housing anymore and you're not dependent on food share but you don't make enough to feed your kids. So who fills that gap? Like that's a leap, like that's super scary. So do you wanna be well? The easy answer is be like, well, yeah, everybody wants to be well, like, but it takes so much to get well. And it takes so many people to kind of build the net to safely get well. And I just think like that verse just really has impacted me a lot. Because instead of me deciding what well is (laughs) and what well looks like for other people, I have the ability to know one, the answer to that is Jesus. Not anything I can do, sitting on a hill can do, but the answer to that's Jesus. And then I can ask you like, what does well even look like to you? And what are your barriers to being well? And that for me really starts with listening.
0: Hmm. That's really good. Sade, what have, what have, People done in your life that have made you feel valued and important, like like Lisa. I'm sorry. Like Lisa has.
2: Oh yeah. Um, just um, just people that's been there for me because I have a I have a wall built up, and um, it's hard to, for me to like let her down because I've been let down. A lot of the times, and I'm sure everybody, everybody else has. But um again. Um, like I said, I have a wall built up, and when I let it, I don't want, I don't want to let my wall down and and then get hurt again, because then there'll be another wall after that. So. Yeah, Um, but I can say one person who has never let me down. God has never let me down. Amen. Has never let me down.
0: So. That's good. Lisa, what's at stake if we don't respond to God's call to the vulnerable?
1: Um, In the city of Milwaukee, it's 352,000 children staying in poverty like right now. Um, And our zip code, like national income for our zip code is, our federal poverty line in our zip code is $17,500. And our neighborhood people are living on $9,250 a year. So what's at stake is, for some people, life. For some, it's, People never experiencing the true love of Christ because people were too afraid to step in and to like to do that and to give of themselves time, talent, treasure. Um, Yeah. And I think at City on a Hill, we kind of see that view, too. You know, I gave you the number of the kids in poverty, but then those kids will have kids. And then that's another generation and another broken cycle. And I think God has called us to build the kingdom of God here on earth. And to do that, it's going to take everyone who believes in Jesus. Amen. Yeah.
0: What can, uh, I mean, you know, you're talking about the city of Milwaukee, and uh, obviously you're out here in the suburbs. What are some of the things that, some of the steps that we can take just to begin to close that gap? I mean, not everybody is going to, leave their job and go to sit on a hill maybe they will okay you guys can pay everybody uh but maybe that won't happen but what are some just some steps that we can take to begin to grow our heart uh for the vulnerable god's heart for the vulnerable
1: yeah I'll, and i'll come alongside and say like not every it's not everybody's role to go into ministry like god needs people in the marketplace like that's something art's done a really great job of like explaining to us and like helping us really kind of see and understand that as well um But man, I would just say if you don't have relationships with people who are different than you, if everybody in your circle is the same, if every (laughs) and they continue to be the same and you don't step out in faith and build relationships, then you won't be challenged to grow. And I think that you'll miss the heart of God in that and that that's really at stake. So I would say take a chance. Um, Say yes more than you say no. So do you want to do this? Yes. (laughs) So. We kind of sometimes joke at city on a hill because i'll do like improv comedy on the side and like one of the rules to comedy is like you say yes no matter like you can never say no and so i just think like when opportunities present themselves or sometimes when you have to seek out opportunities like be willing to say yes to something new for those who like went on the poverty simulation at city on a hill it was an experience that opened their eyes and so like I think that those would, people would be a good testimony of like, I did something different and I walked in the shoes of somebody else. And so you'll never know, um, not that you'll ever like fully know what it is to be Sade, like, I don't believe that I fully know that, but I believe that I know more about God because I know Sade. And I would have missed out on that if I wouldn't have said yes to something. And so I guess my challenge for that is, what do you have the opportunity to say yes to? or to invest in um, to help move and mobilize the kingdom of God. Yeah, just final question. How
0: has walking with Sade, how has she blessed your life? Oh my goodness.
1: Um, (laughs) Because I know she has. In in so many ways. Um, You know, I think that there's times where I can feel overwhelmed and I can feel like things are incredibly complicated in my own life. And then Sade like has these words of wisdom or encouragement for me that like fuel, like, fuel me. Like she's like my little can of Red Bull most mornings when we connect and she'll share these like words of wisdom and um, she just brings that hope, hope to me. And so also like she's an example that I can use for so many things with other parents. And it's easy to be able to like depend on Sade. Like one of the things I love about her is like her ability to navigate health systems far supersedes most people that I know. So like we were working on something for her kids, and I pulled up like shot records and stuff like that. I'm like, do your kids have never missed a doctor's appointment, never missed shots, never every one of them has, whether it's <laughs> glasses, braces, something, like her kids are fully taken care of. I'm like, you are navigating that like a rock star. And like for me, she's taught me that I can lean on people that I'm serving to help other people that I'm serving. And that has just, that like, has taken some things off of my plate where I can be like, Hey, go talk to Shadi. Like she's really great at that. And like, that has just, just brought a lot of peace to my soul just to know, like she's on my team and I'm on her team. Oh, that's great.
0: Hey, can we give these two ladies a huge round of applause? <laughs> a lot of courage. A lot of courage. Let me pray for us. Father, um, I just thank you for uh, I thank you for stories. I thank you, God, that um, when we're willing to step in to uh, just people's people's lives and their stories and take that step, um, God, not only is their story impacted, but you know what, our story as well, because we really are connected. And uh, Father, I thank you for these two ladies right here, and uh, just the beautiful story that you're writing, and just how that is reflected right here. And I would pray, God, that um, you would continue to stir our heart, stir our hearts individually, stir our hearts as a church. Um, There are people who are hurting, who are in need, who are just looking for people that have the heart, who have the willingness, who have the desire to just open up their lives so that they can open up theirs. God, um, I I pray that there is some insight that we're given today that uh, would just as we see a a problem that on the outside it can go like well just do this do that it's not that easy there's so many layers to this and father may we be committed to to partnering with organizations like City on a Hill and others that are committed to breaking the cycles and setting people free so they can dream and be all that you have called them to be God um, I pray over Sade and her kids and the great steps that she is taking and um that you would continue to bless her and open up her heart to who you are and the great plan that you have for her. And uh, God, we are honored that we get to hear from both of these ladies and their stories. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.